Soto at first after the homer by Rendon. Kendrick into the opposite corner. That one well hit. Springer looks up, and it's gone! Howie Kendrick has delivered the Nationals a one-run lead! Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 12 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman, and I'm here with my co-host, John Snyder. You, of course, can reach us on Twitter, at MSheDoesIt and at JohnnyDoesItToo. And if you're feeling brassy, you can give the Breaking Balls hotline a call and leave us a voicemail. Our number is 631-820-7377. So for this week, we are stepping up our game a little bit over here in a Breaking Ball studio, and we are having our very first guest on today. We are going to have analytics guru Max Greenfield. He'll be joining us to discuss, you guessed it, analytics. And uh, the three of us will uh, will go on to some tangents about that. And then, of course, we'll regale you with our world-renowned top three favorite minor league baseball team names. So before we get into everything and before we introduce Max, I just wanted to give a, a quick update on the 2020 season. It's uh, now become a, a weekly segment in and of itself. And much like the updates before this, there's not really much to report. Major League Baseball, they submitted a proposal yesterday to the Players Association that was a 60-game season. And this time, this was the promising part, is that it was full, 100% prorated salaries for those 60 games, which, of course, most of you know, that has been a sticking point for the Players Association and one that they were not willing to move on because that was the deal that they had already made with the owners back in March. So the issue, though, is the amount of games. Since that proposal was submitted to the Players Association, it has already been counter-proposaled by the Players Association with 70 games full prorated. And there's other caveats to it. Uh, Universal DH, that uh, waiving for both parties, waiving their right to grieve any of the goings-on during this labor dispute, and uh, um, a few other things. I think we're expecting this one to possibly get rejected by the owners as well. In my opinion, the owners, the majority of them probably don't actually want to play a season. They are stalling and they are just submitting uh, proposals that are essentially the same as the last proposal, just slightly different, like a little bit of a six in one, one half dozen in the other situation. So uh, I, I really don't think this is going to go anywhere. You know, Tony Clark, the president of the Players Association, he and Rob Manfred, of course, the commissioner, they met face to face yesterday in Arizona, had a discussion, basically just laying out some guidelines for uh, moving forward with these negotiations. And to me, it's, it's that sounded more like lip service, sort of like keeping us fans on the hook by saying, hey, hey, they're still talking, they're still doing this, but the results are not there. The players are have been steadfast in what they want the owners are the ones that are um stalling this bus so just keep that in mind when uh we're moving forward with this situation that the players are ready to play the owners are the ones that are trying to do seemingly everything they can to not play and that is certainly not a coincidence i mean as far as i'm concerned so let's get into it so as i'd mentioned in our intro uh it is my pleasure to introduce our very first guest here on Breaking Balls. We have Max Greenfield here. You guys might recognize him as at GreenfieldMax18 on Twitter. He is a analytics whiz kid. He has certainly helped me 
become less of a novice with analytics, but it's still it's a process. He f- is formerly of the Washington Nationals, their low A ball. He was in the analytics department for the Hagerstown Suns. And Max, thank you so much for joining us. We're really happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I, yeah, I guess technically speaking, since uh, John got upped to co-host, I am the first guest of the show. That There's no pressure in that. I'm very excited to be here, though. Yeah, no, don't worry. You know, we, we like to keep it pretty relaxed here. And, yeah. uh, you know, John, John, uh, he sort of broke the ice for all future additions to the show. So you're all good. Yeah, I was going to say, do we reset the counter now? Like, do I count or was I like guest prime or like zero? I was actually going to ask that, too. Like, is it am I number one or is, is John still number one? I think um, like we need to look, go into the books and figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we need any asterisks or anything. I'm willing to give up the throne. We'll see what happens at the end of this interview. We'll, right. we'll decide who comes out on top. <laughs> All right. So, Max, um, what's your background in baseball? Like, what got you into the analytics community and then got you into doing it as a, a career? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Uh, you know, growing up, I was around baseball a lot growing up. My dad was a big baseball fan. He was from New York. He grew up in Albany, went to Fordham. So he was around the Bronx, raised me a Yankee fan. So, was, you know, some of my earliest memories are playing baseball, watching baseball, and just being around it with my dad. I mean, like one of the best memories of baseball in my life is watching the Yankees win the 2009 World Series uh, with my dad, and it was just so much fun. And I knew roughly around probably when I was in middle school, high school, that like if I could be involved in baseball as long as possible, that was the best option for me. I was just, I was a good enough player to like go on to the next level and also smart enough about the game to understand the ins and outs of like how front offices work and everything. So I knew I wanted to be around the game in some way. Unfortunately for me, my body did not cooperate with that idea. Uh, and it gave out around when I was 18. And I was like, you know, that's okay. Like, just because I can't play the game anymore doesn't mean I can't be around it. So I went to college and my whole goal in college was to get the skills and to learn the industry well enough to be able to enter it one day. And so then in I graduated in December of 2018. And then in 2019, I worked for Sports Info Solutions, uh, which is a baseball analytics company. But now they're verging into both football and basketball analytics as well. They're going to start up that department. So they're very much into the analytic sides of sports. And from there, I just, you know, being able to see all this data and learn from some great minds about analytics and sabermetrics, I really delved into it. And in Twitter, which is both a great and horrible place, has a very big analytics community and there's a lot of really, really smart people there. And so, you know, I started talking to them and we started learning from each other and like learning different perspectives on the way to use the numbers and about the numbers themselves. And so I just kept learning and learning from all this information, all these people. And now, you know, after Sports Info Solutions, I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to go get a job with the team. Went through that whole process, about a four month process of looking for a job. And then I got the job with the Nationals and then all this happened and now don't have a job anymore. But, you know, that's there's a lot up in the air right now. So but that's how I got started was just constantly learning about the game, never being able to know too much about it and being able to open myself up to new avenues and new information because we're always trying to do more. So that's definitely how I got into it, which it's different for everybody. But how I got into it was just being open minded. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. I mean, uh, something that I I tend to always go back to whenever I'm pontificating about any topic is just that we're all students of the game. That is always something that I was told 
as a player and it's a mantra of sorts that people who don't view the sport in particular in that light they get left behind and the game doesn't care about what you hold dear or your nostalgia for certain things it's going to keep evolving so being a student of the game is just it's it's brought a lot to my life and it still does in the context of the analytics community i mean i've mentioned this before I didn't really know much about analytics because they're not used when you're watching regular games. They they yeah. don't have the stats on the screen. They're still using traditional. So unless you really get involved in a community like on Twitter or whatever else, now it's different. But a few years ago, you would have no clue. Yeah. So being on Twitter is what sort of opened up my eyes too. And it's just, I can't get enough of it. But I had a, a quick question, a quick question. We're going to have five or six questions, but... What led you to, from getting into the analytics community, now to the point where you've created your own advanced stat? Can you uh, give us a, a quick synopsis on the stat and how you how you got there? Yeah, so the stat I created was called KWAR. We're still working on it. We're currently going through uh, years of data, just trying to crunch the numbers to figure everything out. And I'll explain why we're doing that. But as I said, you know, you're always trying to learn more. But it's not just you're always trying to learn more about the numbers. You're trying to learn more ways to evaluate players. And the best way to evaluate players, specifically pitchers, is to evaluate their strikeout potential. Some of the best pitchers in baseball today are strikeout artists. You know, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, uh, Chris Sale, Justin Verlander. Those guys are all just strikeout artists, right? So obviously strikeouts and limiting walks are a big part of pitching. And so what we discovered was that one of the highest indicating factors of next year production was just how good of a strikeout picture they are. So we looked at this stat called KWERA, which is just looking at strikeouts and walks and what would their ERA be if they only had strikeouts and walks. And from there, my partner, who is the Nationals baseball ops intern, another very smart guy, he went to Harvard, Jason Fixell is his name, been great working with him. And he and I sort of were wondering if there's a way to put a value on this and figure out if this war statistic could hypothetically be predictable of the next year's war, which is why we're going back all these years to figure out, all right, if all things are held equal, right? Because, you know, somebody's war is very dependent on the volume. If somebody threw 180 innings in year one and then 140 innings in year two, right, the war is obviously going to be probably lower in year two just because they didn't have the volume. So uh, we want all things to be held equal that the war statistic can prove that it's indicative of next year's value. So let's say if somebody had a 6.8K war, but their Fangraphs war was only 5.4, if the statistic is truly predictable, we would say that picture is going to be better next year, and hopefully next year's results show that. You know, we're constantly learning things, and as we input the data, we might find it's not predictable, but that doesn't mean that the statistic is invaluable because we can still sort of understand how valuable a pitcher could be if we're wanting to see, you know, an area of their game that is really good or something that could lead to a breakout because we're always trying to look at things that pitchers can control. And what pitchers can control is always constantly up for debate. Uh, you know, that's why metrics like Sierra and PCRA and XFIP are out there because people have different opinions of what pitchers can control and so we're just kind of looking at it from a well we know they can control strikeouts and walks so let's look at that and see if that has any value that's really interesting because 
something that I have struggled with in learning analytics is pitching analytics that I, I, I don't want to say that I have a handle on offensive analytics because I don't, but pitching analytics, I, I don't really know where to start. I, I don't know how to apply any of them once I learn you know, the basics about it. So I was really excited about your K-War stat because it seemed like a stat that the pitching metrics for someone who's like a novice like myself is missing because it seems something that could be used almost standalone, that it doesn't need a, a supporting cast of other analytics to sort of... Yeah make a point the nice thing about our stat as uh my lovely cat dante has decided to join us yeah, uh, here too <laughs> lurking but um the good thing about k-war is that it's really simplistic in nature right it's just strikeouts and walks that we're looking at and how valuable that is in essence but we're also just trying to figure out if we limit the amount of inputs that a pitcher can or can't control do we get closer to predicting next year's success? And K-War is really just simplistic. Like if you if you have no knowledge, I would just tell you like, listen, imagine we're only looking at strikeouts and walks and figuring out how valuable that is to try and figure out if we can predict next year's success. That doesn't really sound that complicated. At least in my mind, it doesn't. But, you know, in reality, it's all about just trying to figure out next year's success and figure out if it's predictable or not. Because especially with pitching analytics, there's just so much out of the pitcher's control. You know, some people believe that as soon as the pitch leaves the hand, nothing is in his control, right? He doesn't he doesn't help determine if the hitter swings at it or if the umpire calls it a strike or not. And some of that is maybe true, right? You know, the umpire has to set the zone and everything. You know, there's there's some truth to that. There's other people who believe, oh, the pitcher is responsible for everything. He could have limited hard contact in some way. And I feel like that's also too extreme. If a guy bloops a single over the shortstop or second baseman's head, are we really going to ding the pitcher for that? Like, that's just kind of bad luck, right? But right. there's a lot of bad luck in baseball. Like, a lot! Yeah. So, <laughs> figuring out the way to limit that is really, really hard. And that's why pitching analytics are so complicated is because everybody goes about it differently. And everybody values different things. The only thing that people seem to agree on is that having a lot of strikeouts and limiting walks are good things which I think anybody would agree with, right? Like, nobody's going to take, you know, Ubaldo Jimenez over Garrett Cole, right? That's right. just not going to happen. <laughs> They're going to take Garrett Cole because he strikes a lot of guys out and he doesn't walk a lot of guys. They don't really care if he gives up a lot of home runs, which last year he did. He did give up a lot of home runs, but nobody cared because he struck out 38% of the hitters that he faced, which is really good. So pitching analytics is really tough, and I always tell people, like, you really have to keep an open mind with this. There are going to be things that you just don't understand, and that's okay. Just take it slow, try and read, ask questions, somebody will try and help you. The good thing about the analytics community is there's definitely people that want to help you. There are people out there who are going to explain things to you and want to help you understand. The bad things is, for every one person that wants to help you, there's about three or four who just want to trash you. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Um, fortunately, the vast majority of uh, the analytics community that I've interacted with have been very helpful and not condescending in any way, not to me anyway. And that sort of leads me to my next question. What do you consider the shortcomings of the traditional stats that sort of gave birth to the analytics movement? That's a great question. Um, a lot of people, like, they only care about batting average and maybe they care about, like, OPS but, you know, batting average, home runs, runs, RBI, from an offensive standpoint, those are 
you know, the most common metrics and like ERA wins and losses from a pitcher standpoint, right? So if we're looking at it from an offensive standpoint, the biggest issue with batting average is it just weights all the hits the same, right? Everybody knows a single is not worth the same as a home run. It's just not. That's an overwhelming flaw of the stat. And so, you know, slugging percentage came around and tried to fix that and said, all right, well, a single will be worth like one point, uh, you know, a double's worth two, a home run's worth four, triple's worth three. And it's like, okay, I get what you're thinking because bases, but that's not really how it works. Right. And so that's where WOBA comes in and sort of like takes slugging percentage, batting average, and on-base percentage and sort of combines them all into one number based off of run expectancies of outcomes. And so that's how you get WOBA. And that's why WOBA is really good. All hitting metrics are flawed in the sense of they don't evaluate situational hitting and they don't evaluate pitch count. I have argued that pitch count is very important because if a pitcher throws one pitch and gives up a single, but then throws 11 pitches and gives up a single, the 11 pitch at bat and the one pitch at bat are in the box scores the same. But that 11 pitch at bat was way more valuable and way more important. But hitting metrics don't evaluate that. And that's a flaw in my opinion. But, you know, in terms of the traditional stats, they don't do that either. So you can't really just say, well, batting average is better than, well, no, it doesn't fix the flaws of batting average. And then home runs are always good, right? Like nobody's going to say hitting a lot of home runs is bad. But without context, it's, you know, grand slams worth more than a solo home run. Home runs are good, but everybody will take a grand slam. So you sort of need to look at home runs in context as well. Runs and RBIs are team stat, right? You're getting RBI because there's a runner on for you and you're knocking him home. Right, by chance. Yeah, you didn't put that guy on. He got on on his own. So, you know, some players get more chances than others. I remember the year Josh Donaldson won the MVP. A lot of people were citing his high RBI count versus Trout. He had like 30 more RBI that year. And the reason is because... Donaldson had more chances. He had like 150 more plate appearances with runners in scoring position. They went to the playoffs that year, right? Wasn't that 2015? Yeah, they yeah, so won. They had a playoff caliber team around them. Yeah, and they almost won. I think they they either went to the ALCS the following year or they went that year. But exactly, Donaldson had a better team than Trout, and you shouldn't hold that against Trout, right? So I think when people say RBI and runs are like, oh, but they show they produce. Well, we have to look at if you really want to know how good of a run producer is somebody is, I would just say look at weighted runs created plus because that'll tell you. But if you're like somebody who really likes RBI, you could look at runners in scoring position stats. But again, those are subject to a very small sample size. And the smaller the sample size, the less indicative of actual talent level. Like somebody might have, you know, 120 at bats. And with runners in scoring position and have like a 600 at bat season per se roughly or 600 plate appearances if they're better in the 600 plate appearances than they are in the runners in scoring position i'm obviously going to value the 600 plate appearances more that's the bigger sample that's more indicative of, of what the kind of player they are right so, not to mention when you're talking about run production if people are using rbi to add to their point about a player's run production they're not producing those runs because those runners are on base of no fault of theirs so it's like they are, if they hit a home run, it's like the run that they produced was really themselves in that moment, right? Yeah. Because I even mean, if their bases are loaded, it's like they were loaded without them having to do anything. Correct. Some people argue like, oh, but the thought of like Aaron Judge coming up would get in pitcher's head and that made them pitch worse. 
You're really telling me that the athletes at the highest level of the game who will got a runner on first and second and they know Aaron Judge is coming up is not going to try and pitch better to not face Aaron Judge in a high stakes situation? Like, that, sure, mentally it might get in their head, but like, we're talking about 650 plate appearances over a season potentially. At a certain point, that's, that stuff all washes out, right? We're talking about many details. And that's probably people's nitpicking with analytics as they bring up this one extreme situation that the metrics might not account for. Or maybe they do, but it's just so minor that it doesn't really matter. And they kind of say, well, that's a flaw. And it's like, mm, is it though? Like, if you're talking about a situation, I remember somebody, I don't remember who, but they were saying, you know, if a ball hits a rock and then skips by the third baseman's shoulder or something, that could hurt his DRS. And it's like, yeah, but like, I worked for the company that calculated that, and we can literally see the play happening. We see it happen and go, well, he had no chance. That shouldn't hurt him. Yeah, of course. And then it's done. And then it's like, all right, cool. If it's a rock, it should just hurt the grounds crew. Yeah, exactly. People throw out these, like, really obscure things, and it's just like... That doesn't really matter. We're talking about hundreds of plays, thousands of plays, and you're going to nitpick one that might happen four times a year. Like, I get people being frustrated with, like, change and not understanding things. Right. And then people, as I've said, like, coming out and bashing them. And I've I've done it. Like, I'm not going to say I'm innocent. People have said stuff that's really dumb at times, and sometimes it takes every fiber in my body not to say, why are you so stupid? But, like... (laughs) That's not helping anybody sometimes. Some some people need to be told they're dumb just because, like, they're doing it to get a rise out of people. And, like, they or need they're to be being told. rude. Yeah, or they're just being, you know, rude, dicks, whatever you want to say. But, like, some people need to be told that. But most of the time, it's just like, listen, if you sit there and explain it to people, they'll understand. Like, I don't know everything. There's a stat going around called True Wobo right now. I'm still reading about it. I'm still learning about it. People are dropping it left and right. And I still got to understand it. But am I going to get mad at people if they drop it on me? No, I'll just say, hey, you know, can you send me a link or maybe I'll go Google a link or this is just good life advice in general, especially for right now. Do the research yourself first. And if you don't understand, then ask. Yeah, I definitely. That's basically how I started learning about it is because I got onto Twitter and I was talking about baseball and I was seeing discussions and stats being used that I didn't know and I didn't know how to apply so I didn't like being on the outs so I started looking it up and and John and I have talked about this when we've discussed both of our low level knowledge of analytics that even now whenever I use them if I if I'm about to use analytics in any sort of discussion I will literally have like the fangraphs glossary page open and I will read through and make sure that I'm understanding this that i'm applying it as correctly as i possibly can and i'll read it over and over again like as if i'm taking a fucking sat test like i just because it's so like you said there's a fine line between people who are supportive in the analytics community but also i don't want to be the asshole that misuses it and then all of a sudden i have 50 troll accounts calling me a moron (laughs) so it's 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 a it's It's a balancing tightrope back like the guy who said mariano rivera wasn't a top five closer ever that, oh, that makes us all look bad because it's right. like you're citing stats that you don't understand. And then when you do that, people like me or other people have to come out and say, no, listen, like 
you know, some guys are subject to small sample size, and like obviously he did it for a very long time, right? Nobody should say something like that, but because it's said, and it's because it's said by somebody in the community, people have to come out and say like, no, like ignore that. But then how are you going to sell people on using those numbers when somebody can just say, well, that guy led to that conclusion. How did he get that? How did he get something so dumb? And it's like, ah, now you're just making me do more work, right? (laughs) Like I'm already trying to sell you on the numbers. And now I got this guy over here to my right, just ruining everything I've just said. And you're being like, well, why should I now believe Max? This guy over here came to a completely wrong conclusion. And it's like, <sighs> it's it's weird in a way too because like I know I'm I'm even further behind the curve than M is you know I try to have an open mind with um you know with the the newer advanced metrics but I was rooted in traditional stats for a long time like I'm just starting to break out of that yeah and you know being pretty fluent in traditional stats you feel like you have a pretty good handle on the game and then you have an entire wave of people who know what they're talking about but are kind of saying like okay you know you understand those but hey here if you really want to understand what's going on in a deeper way this is what you got to do and for me like i said i keep an open mind so i'm i don't understand the people who lash out and get angry but i can almost kind of understand that mentality of like people feeling like they're being told like oh you don't get baseball you know something they yeah. their whole life it's it's not to say that people who don't use the advanced metrics don't know baseball you you can very well know the ins and outs of baseball and everything really well. But in today's game, when I was working with the players at the Nationals, I remember telling one of them, because some of them were not sold on some of this tech that we were trying out. And so I remember telling them, uh, listen, you have scouting reports on other players, right? And other pitchers that you face and everything, right? Why would you not want more information about yourself to make yourself a better player? And it's sort of similar as, why would you not want more information to make yourself more knowledgeable? that's all it comes down to is i basically just said will this help me understand the game better and the answer is yes it will because maybe you'll be looking for things that you weren't looking for before or there are players that are better than you expected and for the most part the analytics and the sabermetrics don't really tell you anything that the traditional numbers won't like they'll they'll back up most of the stuff that is in the traditional numbers it won't tell you that Mike Trout is bad. It will tell you Mike Trout is really good <laughs> baseball. It will tell you that John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge hit the ball very, very hard. And they're very good at baseball. It will tell you that Jacob deGrom had one of the best seasons of all time as a pitcher in 2018. They tell you all that information. But what it might also tell you is that Cattell Marte is pretty good at baseball too. It might also <laughs> tell you that Anthony Rendon's better than you were giving him credit for. And it also might tell you that a guy like Juan Soto doing what he does at his age is incredible. It also might tell you that Matt Chapman is really goddamn good at baseball. I was just about to drop his name because I was sitting here thinking, he's naming all these guys and he's not about to mention Chapman? This is shameful. Chapman, maybe on Twitter. I think a lot of people, like, they really boast up Chapman on Twitter, maybe to the point that he's, like, properly rated there. But if you ask a random fan who Matt Chapman is, they're going to have no idea but he was the only player not named Mike Trout to have a war over eight in the last two seasons by baseball reference. That's insane to think yeah, about. I, I did not know that. He is one of the best players in baseball, but if you ask the average fan that, they're going to be like, who's Matt Chapman? But that's <laughs> yeah, why it looks You can't see me, but I'm raising my it. hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the reason he's probably not well known is he's a good hitter, not a great hitter, but he is a whiz defensively. Just amazing he led all third baseman in defensive run saved total zone rating he was like second and outs above average 
I think outside of Andrelton Simmons, who you don't need the numbers to tell you that. You can watch Andrelton Simmons right. play and understand that that guy is just built different. That's the power of the numbers is Matt Chapman now gets more noticed because people look at him and go, oh, damn, his numbers are great. And you might not necessarily know that because if you look at his traditional stats, you'll see the 250 batting average, the 350 on base and the 520 slugging and be like, that's good. Not great. Right. But like then you see that eight war and you're like, holy hell, yeah, how did you get that? Yeah. And then you look at the defense and you're like, oh, kind of makes sense. And it's so interesting to me, um, you know, people who follow the sport closely and are able to, you know, they, they know the rules and they watch how it's played, but they can't seem to sort of make the jump to why analytics are important and why getting, like you said before, why get knowing more about, you know, a player and his ability and breaking it down is important when this game is all about minor adjustments and these minuscule adjustments. So when you think about that, and, you know, maybe there's a disconnect because I, maybe, I don't know, if people don't think about that if they've never played or whatever else. But because it's a, a muscle memory and, and a repetition-based sport, the adjustments are, are they're rarely made, especially at that level. They, st- yeah. they stay the same. Even if they're in a slump or whatever, they don't change anything because it's not really the swing that's doing it or whatever else. So when you think of it from that angle, that the slightest adjustment will have to be made for certain things why wouldn't you delve deeper into the numbers why do you think that like a traditional stat that is such a basic level statistic has any bearing you know it gives you the full picture of the, a sport that an eighth of an inch is the difference between a pop out and a home run you know what i mean yep. and being able to understand that makes you more knowledge about the game and the other thing is like especially if you're a young person or somebody who wants to work in baseball you cannot use the traditional stats to work in baseball anymore. Like as someone who has multiple people, multiple contacts with teams and everything, their level of knowledge of the game is well beyond what the public analytics are. So if you don't have a knowledge of what the public information is, they're not going to think you're going to be able to understand the private data. And that's the truth is like, if you want to get into the game, you need to be able to understand this. That doesn't necessarily mean that it'll make the game more enjoyable for you. I think it does, but it may not. Some people might enjoy the traditional sets, and that's fine. But if you're wondering why people in the analytics community want you to understand, it's because these can help you make you more knowledgeable about the game. The disconnect partly comes from, A, just some people just don't want to learn. Some people are ignorant and stuff like that. Another is the message isn't always delivered properly. You know, I, I talk, I've talked about that a lot in that I think the analytics community needs to do a lot better about not coming off as know-it-alls. And these right, people, more they're obviously, yeah, they're, they're obviously very smart. There, there are a lot of very, very smart people in the analytics community, you know, but sometimes they can come off as jerks, right? Like they can come off as know-it-alls. They can come off as snobby and, you know, too smart. And that's a problem. You know, we need to do better in that and coming off as all right, you don't understand why. You know, tell me what you what you're valuing, and then I'll try and explain it to them. And then you know, if we go back and forth, and they still don't get it, and it's just like, all right, you know, give up for now. You know, try again another time. You know, if people still don't understand after multiple attempts, then then you just kind of got to throw your hands up and be like, all right, it's just not happening. Then you just got to walk away. If they're rude to you, by all means, serve them their lunch. But <laughs> that. But if they're not, you know, you should be calm and civil and respectful to them. And I've tried that. Some people get on my nerves because they just say stuff that's just like, that's not true. Or I remember this one guy, 
he tried to like throw in my face that I was an intern for the Nationals. He's like, oh, I bet the Nationals really care about what you're doing. And I was like, did you just like use my internship against me? Like, man, there are thousands of people who would kill to be in my position right now. Like not to brag or anything, but like I worked really hard for this. I'm very proud of this. And also it's like, uh, yeah, actually, they do care about yeah. what I have to say. That's why they fucking hired me. Yeah, like, they do care. When I sent uh, my boss the stat, he was really interested, and he's, he really wants to know what's going on. So, like, when he said that to me, I was just kind of laughing. I was just like, did he really just, like, did he just use that as an insult? So that was the first time I've ever had my profession be used as an insult against me, <laughs> which is kind of a compliment <laughs> in a way. But what I would tell people in the analytics community and anybody who's willing to learn is you just have to keep an open mind we've talked about it a lot and that's the number one message i would probably send to people is keep an open mind you cannot know everything when i was young i had a baseball coach and we practiced in this dude's backyard and who had a baseball field in his backyard and that guy had been around the game for like 65 years and he said if i have one piece of advice it's shut up and listen because you're never going to know anything if someone comes around and tells you something, you should always listen, even if you don't agree with it, because you might learn something. You might get a different perspective. And that's really valuable, is that I may not agree with the way somebody goes about how they use analytics or how they view offensive metrics and the flaws in them, but he might teach me something I didn't consider and something I might then consider if I were going building my own metric. It's yeah, I, constant dialogue. I, totally I also agree. just want to add quickly, sorry to interrupt you, um, no, Max, please. you use the expression, serve them their lunch, and I love that. I'm going to start using that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Especially because when you said it, I was like, oh, I was like, I guess I'm the fucking cafeteria lady then on Twitter because I'm constantly doing that. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking I'm hungry. But well, I, Emily, you have the ability to insult people and for them to still like you after, and I'm still learning <laughs> that ability. I don't know how you do it, but it's very impressive. <laughs> it's been something... Uh, that I've been working on for the last 34 years or so. <laughs> it's part of my charm. But I, back to what you were saying, that I, I totally agree is that it's really the word for it that I've always used is just being coachable. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, athlete on the field being the ability to listen and be coached. It's in any realm of life that being coachable is just being able to sit there and listen and give someone your attention and give something a try and be open-minded, like you said. And then if you end up realizing that what they taught you isn't the way that you want to go and you have a different route it's like then you can do that but it's just about listening and, and being willing to learn and i totally agree with that i just want to expand upon this isn't related to baseball but i i think this needs to be said is that that's really important right now there have been protests going on for the last three weeks about the black lives matter movement and that's that's all they've asked for is just listen please right just listen to us that's all we want and I know this isn't baseball and some of your listeners may or may not like this, but please just listen to what they have to say. You don't have to, or you may not agree, but please, all I'm asking is that you listen to them. What they're asking for is really not much. Like, it's not a lot. So please, yeah. right now, I know this isn't baseball related, but this is life related and this is more important than baseball. Listen to what those people have to say. They're saying a very important message and you should go listen to them and do the research on what they want to hear and what they want to do because it's very, very important. Yeah, also, I mean, people, if you're willing to sit here and listen to us talk about this for a half hour, you can listen to what uh, oppressed and disenfranchised in our nation have to say. And, and For 400 years! Yeah, I mean, after 400 years, you think that they can make it happen. 
We could listen just a little bit. Just a little bit. Not too much to ask. Not too much, you would think. So, I, I feel like we already touched on this with what we were just saying, but maybe you can um, speak to it a little bit more. But besides the analytics community reaching out to like the traditional stats community, for lack of a better uh, name, what can MLB do to sort of bridge the gap? Because analytics are now driving the direction that the game is going in. Yeah. So I feel like what we were saying before about people, you know, sort of getting left behind if they don't get on board. I feel like that's happening, but Major yeah. League Baseball isn't making any effort whatsoever to make analytics more accessible and, and trying to help their fan base as a whole understand, which would in turn create more fans because they would have a better understanding of why things are happening the way that they are and why teams are recruiting and, and and scouting and doing building lineups the way that they are. So how can Major League Baseball start, you know, if they were to start today, what are some steps that they could take that would be able to do that? That's a great question. And that's a question that you and I have talked about a lot. And it's something that I've talked a lot about with a lot of different people about is, Max, how do you get the more casual fan into analytics? Not just on Twitter, not just you know, like that. I think there's such a history of traditional stats Right, and sabermetrics have only been around really prevalently for the last few years. They've been around for about half a you know, a decade and a half ish, right? The introduction of more advanced metrics, but they've really only been prevalent this decade, right? right. Or this past decade. So there's still just all this new information. And I think the other problem is that the information like we're trying to constantly tweak it to make better, we make changes. And so how does MLB sort of advertise it while the product's not really finished yet? So the thing is, and what, I, what I've what i seen, I went to Yankee Stadium last year when I was working, and they had random points in the game. They had like a sabermetric talk or something, and like Zach Britton was explaining spin rate. And I was like, that's great. That's excellent. Anybody who came to the game today who was half paying attention could have learned something about spin rate, which is very, very important in today's pitcher evaluation. So that's great. Teams that do that at stadiums, awesome. But what we also need to do is we need to make the broadcasts, not just the national broadcasts. You know, the ESPN has that Sabercast, right, that they've done the last few years. That's excellent. But I would like to see that slowly be ingrained into the Yes Network, into the Cubs games, into the Red Sox games. And, like, we sort of see it, right? You know, somebody like David Cohn's out there, and he's an excellent color guy with the numbers, right? He is right. very, very into the numbers. And I've sent him some stuff uh, before about different metrics and he's been fascinated by it and really looks into it so he obviously cares but what we need to get is to get them to like slowly explain the numbers and so on the yes network they're pretty on the spectrum of left to right they're pretty left because you know cone will talk about fip and they'll talk about exit velocity and you know some i've heard them talk about expected wobo once or twice on the broadcast i think and so it's sort of about slowly ingraining those numbers into the everyday cycle of baseball. Right. And that means getting that into the broadcast. It also means the major, what should we say, writers of baseball need to be using the metrics more. You know, the the John Heymans, the Joel Shermans, the Ken Rosenthal's, the Jeff Passons, when they do objective analysis of baseball, which those guys don't always do, you know, their, their job is to break news and stuff, but sometimes they do give their opinions on players in the game, right? Getting them to like sort of explain with the advanced metrics just as much as the traditional stats is important. When I talked to a couple writers at the winter meetings the past year, 
they said, yeah, we understand that stuff, but the average person isn't, so we don't really use it. And I was like, well, that's just kind of like disingenuous, right? Like, use the metrics. Right, and especially it's it's funny to hear, well, not so much the researchers, but the people in the front lines, like you said, it's very disingenuous for them to say, well, you know, we we know them and, and use them, but, you know, the, the average reader or the average listener doesn't. It's like, well, if anyone knows that people will do or and know and listen whatever you tell them as a person in the media it's like that's how information gets disseminated in this country the most whatever you tell them as a reporter or as a writer whatever you tell them and whatever you use especially with regularity that's what people are then going to understand and use they're not going to just stop reading it's not like it's a totally different language it's just looking deeper into the same stats that we've always looked at so exactly the minute they start using it, I totally agree. And John, I think that uh, you had a question for Max, right? Yeah, actually, it's kind of a follow-up to what you were just talking about, Max. So we were just talking about, you know, how what the league can and maybe in writers and whatnot, you know, should uh, be doing. So what about, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who I was in that place of like, you know, very comfortable with traditional stats, as I said, you know, watching my Mets games, not on Twitter, not really realizing that I needed to start looking deeper, right, which I have since. So from a proactive stance, right? I know you said that an open mind is a prerequisite for this. And of course I agree. If I was gonna be proactive as a fan and say like, okay, so I'm not getting the advanced stats from the league, from the writers, what would you say is a starting point? Let's say like I'm somebody who doesn't know advanced stats anywhere. Where do I start? That's a great question. That's actually, that's probably the question I get asked the most just about like, when people are asking about job hunting, they're asking about how do I get knowledge about advanced metrics and everything. They always ask, where do I start? And that's the best question to ask, right? Because if you don't know where to start, then you're obviously just going to be lost in a constant loop. And it's going to be like that scene in Thor Ragnarok where Loki says he was falling for like 30 minutes. You're going to be like that. Uh, <laughs> so to avoid that, I start with fan graphs. Emily mentioned it earlier, but fan graphs is fantastic. They are great. And they have a whole glossary full of everything that explains their all the metrics they use. The second place to go to is Baseball Savant. And for those who don't know what Baseball Savant does, that's where you can find your uh, exit velocities, launch angles, expected statistics. Uh, You might see people on Twitter or just people in general talking about expected statistics, either like expected batting average or expecting slugging or, or like, oh, the expected batting average on that ball in play was like 800, but they still got out. Once you get comfortable with those, then you can go to a place like Baseball Prospectus, which they do really interesting research, but you really need to have that like strong base level knowledge of analytics to really go there and understand the research that they're doing. And then from there, like it's just constantly checking Twitter or other places. Somebody to follow is like Alex Chamberlain on Twitter or Connor Cookran. I think that's how you say his last name. But those guys do really, really, really interesting research. And they're constantly fiddling with numbers and trying to figure out new things. And that's not information you're going to find on Fangraphs or Baseball Prospectus or Baseball Savant yet. But that information is really interesting and really valuable. So it's sort of like a tier system. You start with Fangraphs, then you sort of go to Baseball Savant, and then you sort of go to you know Baseball Prospectus, and then you get to like just finding random stuff on your own. That's awesome. And credit where credit's due. Uh, Emily sent me to Fangraphs first, so that that first tier seems to be... Yes. Uh, Fangraphs is the best starting point. Excellent. Nice. Best starting point. Yeah, I, I obviously agree. Their glossary is... Uh, it's immense. Yeah, it's immense. And <laughs> it's um, it's not layman's terms, certainly, it's but not it's also not... Super, yeah, it's not super confusing either. Like, you can sit there and read it and understand what they're saying to you. 
All right, so now that we've got all that out of the way, it's now time for our world-renowned top three segment that Max will be joining us for. A little tip of the hat to Max. We are doing our top three favorite minor league baseball team names. As always, John, how about you do the honors? What was your number three? All right, my number three, this is part of me trying to uh, pump the brakes to my personal biases. I know that I always pick Mets-related shit, right? So um, this I picked uh, the Albuquerque Isotopes. Uh, because of the Simpsons reference. Like, let's be real. They would have been my number one if it was just John, what's your favorite? But objectively speaking, they're a solid number three. They were the Calgary Cannons originally, and they came over in 2003, moved down to Albuquerque. And the Simpsons episode predated that by close to a decade. And uh, whoever was in that marketing department deserves a raise because that was that was the way to go, man. Even, you know, if you're not really a baseball fan, you want, you know, but you're a big Simpsons fan, I would go see an Isotopes game just for that. I, I was going to pick them, but then I, I assume that you probably would, so I stayed away. So Yeah, safe bet. Great choice. Max, what w- is your number three? Yeah, I gotta, I'm going to go a little hometown bias here. Uh, the Sacramento Rivercats come in at my number three. They were, obviously, I went to a lot of games growing up there, and it's a great stadium and everything. But I also think, like, the name Rivercats is just, like, so unique. It's also ironic because it doesn't really fit Sacramento at all, like, <laughs> even a little bit, which I think is adds to the humor of it for me of just, like, why are we called the Rivercats? That doesn't make any sense. Like, there is the American River that runs close to Sacramento, but, like, not even relatively close. <laughs> so I like that just because I think it's funny and it adds some humor to it. But the Rivercats take my number three spot. But the isotopes is a good pick. And not to mention, no fucking cats are going anywhere near a fucking river. They're not going near water. No. Why would they do that? (laughs) I chose the uh, Marlins Class A affiliate, the Clinton Lumber Kings of Clinton, Iowa, just because Lumber Kings at first seemed like almost like a a slow pitch softball league sponsor, like a local business that is sponsoring some beer league team. But then I also enjoyed it because it's sort of one step above lumberjack like you have your lumberjack but then you have your lumber kings just that i guess are an upper echelon above them so i I haven't looked too much into it but it sort of it just piqued my interest so that was my number three all right john hit us with your number two all right so my number two comes with a bit of an addendum i was gonna pick the wichita wind surge but I, i realized that i couldn't for a couple of things a they haven't played a game yet they like just became the Wichita Wind Surge, so they haven't actually set foot on the field in the uniforms yet. Plus, they used to be the New Orleans Baby Cakes, which is a way better name. So they abandoned that for a slightly less, you know, not as good name. <laughs> Baby um, cakes. But then they do kind of get points back because then even further back, they were the Denver Zephyrs and upgrading it from Zephyrs to Wind Surge sounds like a little bit of a fuck you to the original. But all of that said, yes, they were disqualified because the Wind Surge haven't actually played a team yet. So I went instead with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. And it's literally just like the the world-renowned iron from that area is called pig iron. So why don't we just reverse it? Iron pigs. If you look at their logo, it's literally like a giant pig head, but it's like this steampunk, like welded together steel. They like you know bolted and everything. Uh, it's very cool. An iron pig. I kind of like yeah. that. But I'm just <laughs> picturing just like a pig. I'm picturing like the spider pig from the Simpsons movie, just like dressed <laughs> in like fucking armor. It's right. It's like that, but like with rivets. Yeah. And now I'm picturing Rosie the Riveter, but as a pig, just like... Okay, now we're getting further away. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll bring it back. Max, what was yours number two? First, I got to say, I lived in Allentown, which is where the uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs are located. So nice pick. That's a very good name. My number two is the Omaha Storm Chasers, because Storm Chasers is like such a cool but weird job to have. Like, it's not just like a 
weird random name like river cats that's a real profession like yeah <laughs> it's actually a job people do they go out and they chase tornadoes they chase storms and it's like what are you doing that seems so risky but it's also that's kind of cool like that, that you would go out and do that so the omaha storm chasers are my number two Let's I feel like the Storm, Storm Chasers, Chasers as their logo should have the, uh, like from Twister, just the, the cow flying by in the air. <laughs> their logo is just, is just Bill Paxton. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. My number two was the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the Marlins AA affiliate. I like it because, first of all, I love Jumbo Shrimp. It's delicious. And I... It's also an oxymoron, a jumbo shrimp. And shrimp has always been sort of used as like a, an insult too, like calling someone a shrimp. So it's really funny to think of like a professional baseball team having the name the jumbo shrimp because it's sort of like dissing them, themselves before they even get on the field. So <laughs> it's just really cute. All right. The moment everyone's been waiting for. John, your number one favorite minor league baseball team name. All right, so for this one, um, we're going to the West Coast. Well, I'm sorry, uh, it's an affiliate, I should say, of the San Diego Padres. I found Double A to really be the sweet spot for like the super crazy names. Um, so I had to go with the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Sod Poodle is apparently a local term for prairie dogs. And it was just one of those things where I think they did like an online poll and sod poodles won over some actually other pretty ridiculous names too which i realize now i should have written down but i didn't but it's a big improvement they used to be the san antonio missions and then uh, as of last year they were uh rechristened the sod poodles and uh we, we talked about this in the mascot thing last week i just love it when it gets weird and absurd and sod poodle is certainly that so yeah my top minor league name is the double a amarillo sod poodles yeah, the Saudis, as they're called apparently the Saudis. it is an yeah. unsettling name to be honest According like sod Wikipedia. poodle it just reminds me of like soggy, and I don't really know how I feel about that. But hey, to each their own, John. Max, <laughs> you're number one. So I knew that the jumbo shrimp were probably going to be picked because like it's obviously a great name. So I left them out of my top three. But you know, I'm I'm glad somebody picked them because if if nobody did, I would have felt really bad. I would be like, no. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad somebody did, and it makes me feel a little bit better about who I picked for my number one. And that is the Canapolis Cannonballers, because I think Canapolis Cannonballers say that four times fast and you'll you might fall over because it's just like it's just such a wordy name. And I also think Cannonballers like that's just so cool. The first thought that comes to my head is just like pirate ships and shooting at each other. And just like <laughs> then I think of like the Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And then I'm just like, ah, cool childhood. So that's what comes to mind for me. So the cannon, the Canapolis Cannonballers, which please say that a few times very fast. Yeah, I love fast. that alliteration. Yeah, Jesus. But <laughs> yeah. that's what comes to mind for me. I, I like you uh, bringing up Johnny Depp because now I'm picturing them all like their uniforms looking like that with like yeah. the eyeliner and like the, <laughs> yep. the balloons or whatever. They like got the poofy shirts in their pants. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm actually surprised that my number one wasn't chosen by anyone else. I chose the... Rocket City Trash Pandas, the Angels Double yes. A affiliate from Madison, Alabama. And John, I'm so, I was a little shocked to hear that you didn't use one before because they hadn't played a game yet because the Trash Pandas haven't played a game yet either. This was going to be their inaugural season. And uh, I, I chose it because it's a hilarious nickname for a raccoon. Their logo is adorable. And I'm obviously not the only one that thinks that because this team has not played a single inning of baseball yet. 
And in 13 months last, you know, between uh, 2018, 2019, I guess when the team was purchased and they gave it a name, they've sold $2 million worth of merchandise in 13 wow. months. Damn. And they Holy haven't played shit. a fucking game. Jesus. Good for them. Right? That's that's very impressive. Like, right? I'm for a, a double, random double A team? Yeah, like, we're, we're t- it's not just like, you know, it's one thing if the Yankees do that, right? It's another if the double A affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels in Alabama does it. I was yeah. going to say, two million is a bad year for the Yankees. Yeah, that's a really bad year. That's a really bad year. <laughs> All right, guys. So um, thanks for sharing your top three. Max, thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh, sharing some of your knowledge with us and some of your expertise. And as John and I get further along in our our education of the analytics in baseball, we're hoping to have you back on. And, and as we get up to the tier, then we can maybe up the conversation a little bit to match it. Well, I'm always here to help for anybody who wants to learn. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's fun to be the first guest. You could say first, first guest. Oh, first wow. guest the, pod, the inaugural guest on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I listening to you guys every week is just so much fun. You guys have a lot of fun on the podcast, and I laugh when I listen to the show. And like, it's always nice when I can listen about baseball and still like laugh about what I'm listening to. Thanks, Max. That means a lot to us. Yeah, we certainly entertain ourselves every recording session, so I'm glad other people listen and are entertained. I am very entertained. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Thank you, Max. It was great to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, too. All right, that about does it for episode 12 of Breaking Balls. I want to thank Max, our inaugural guest, for coming on and taking the time to uh, discuss some analytics and baseball with us. You can find him on Twitter at GreenfieldMax18. And like he said, reach out to him if you have any questions, comments, or just not sure how to how to really delve into this analytics thing he he will really help you out he's been quite a sherpa of sorts for me so i know he'll do the same for you i want to thank my co-host john you can find him on twitter as well at johnny does it too john thanks for being here with me every week oh thanks for having me em i'm I'm glad that uh sort of being the first guest segued into being a co-host and having to reset the counter so max could be the inaugural yeah, that, that was very kind of you. Very, very benevolent. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, I'm trying to stake my claim as the co-host. So, you know, Max is welcome to have that title. And I'm glad uh, I'm glad he was able to. I had a great time talking to him. Yeah, likewise. And uh, also, I want to thank our producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. Uh, he's what uh, makes the magic happen. You can find him on Twitter at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And I want to thank all you listeners that uh, come back every week and comment and and rate us on, on Apple Podcasts and leave reviews there. It's much appreciated. You guys are really the driving force behind this. And uh, please, don't be shy. Call the Breaking Balls hotline. Our number is 631-820-7377. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. We'll discuss. We'll have a good time. And Boobox, I got your voicemail. Don't worry. We didn't have time this episode, but we get you next week, okay? So we'll see everybody next week. Misdemeanor on the floor, pretty boy, here I come. Pumps in the bump, make you wanna hurt something. I can take your man, I don't have to set something. Hang him out the window for me.